We are reading uh, this morning from Psalms 30, the 30th Psalm, verses 4 and 5. It says this, Sing to the Lord, you saints of His. Praise His holy name. Why? For His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor, His glorious favor, lasts for a lifetime. It says, Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. That's the part we want to focus on this morning. The King James says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, there is a time of weeping, even for people of faith. I mean, look at Jesus, what we've been focusing on these last few days during this holy week. Jesus betrayed by a friend. He was arrested, humiliated, and beaten, brutally murdered on a cross. Talk about a night of weeping. And all his disciples scattered to the winds. They were completely freaked out by the entire thing, as you can imagine. You know, everybody experiences times of sorrow and struggle. What I'm referring to this morning as weeping. Everybody experiences trouble, darkness, trials and temptations. This is something the Bible lets us know about. Now, it shows up in various ways. You know, it might be sickness. Uh, some of you struggling with some very serious illnesses. It's a dark time in your life. <clears throat> Actually, any kind of sickness is miserable. I just finally gotten over just a horrid cold from hell. That was just amazing. I was so sick. I was, I was going to call my regular doctor, Dr. Edward, but I decided to just call uh, Pastor Gary's wife. She's a doctor, Dr. Nikki. It's kind of funny because she's a gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only guy I know that has his own gynecologist, you know, so. <laughs> I was talking on the radio the other day. He said, so you were sick, what would you do? I said, I called my gynecologist. That's what I do. So anyway, <clears throat> but oh, I just hate being sick. <sighs> Sickness, death. I mean, someone dies in the family. That's always a brutal, sad thing to deal with that can bring a lot of sorrow. Weeping, struggle, it's a normal thing. Sometimes people suffer from betrayal, just like Jesus did at the hands of his friend, supposed friend Judas. A lot of you here have sadly experienced betrayal in your relationships, an unfaithful husband or an unfaithful wife. You know the pain of what that is like. Uh, some of you have struggled and, and had business failures. I mean, you know, I've been there. It's, it's hard. You know, you work for years and years and years and years and years and years, blood, pouring in your blood, sweat and tears, and then eventually it collapses and fails. And wow, it's hard. It's a struggle. A lot of people during this uh, financial downturn in the stock market, a lot of people have seen their savings evaporate. <clears throat> Frustrating change forced upon them. Some are going to have to uh, work uh, longer than they had hoped. Uh, because of that downturn. Some people have lost their jobs. I mean, these are hard times. Uh, but it doesn't have to be in hard times. Hard things can happen at any time, even to those who are believers in Jesus Christ. Sometimes these changes can be so painful that will, it will cause you to cry out, just as Jesus cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, the question is, why do we go through times like this? You know, Peter wrote, wrote about this in his epistle. He writes, he says, Dear friends, 
Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though some strange thing were happening to you. Don't be surprised or shocked by this. I'm often amazed at people who are shocked when difficult times fall upon them. Even though the Bible warns us that we will experience times like this. Make no mistake. Being a believer, having even God's greatest blessings in your life, does not mean you won't have trouble. In fact, Jesus gave us a wonderful promise. There's wonderful promises in the Bible. You know how you can go buy those little promise things and you can pull out promises every day. Well, here's one promise you don't find in those. It's where Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. There's a promise you don't want to quote every morning. Today, I'm going to have trouble. But he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You'll have trouble, but I will always see you through. I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. But a lot of us, we just freak at the very idea that we have trouble at all. It's very struggling, very challenging in our lives. You know, even, uh, it's amazing, as, as you read the account of Jesus getting ready for this time where he was uh, gone to Jerusalem and suffered and stuff, he warned these guys, he told them, he said, listen guys, we're going to Jerusalem, alright? When we get there, I'm going to be betrayed. In fact, one of you are going to be betray me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die at the hands of the violent men. But on the third day, I will rise again. He told them everything that was going to happen. Just like God often speaks to us in the scriptures, warning us of the challenges of life. But just like us, when it happened, they were all completely freaked and completely amazed. I mean, even at the Last Supper, he said, I've so looked forward to having this last meal with you before I suffer. It was like zing, it was like they weren't hearing a thing. Here he tells them everything. And then when they came and arrested him, they freaked. And when he was crucified on the cross, they were dejected. Their hearts were down. They were confused, dismayed, even though he told them what was going to happen. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, well, why, why am I going through this? Why am I going through? Because I don't like these changes. You know, changes in life can be challenging. They can be very hard. A lot of them are often very, very painful. Again, it does not mean that God has forsaken you. Okay? Now, I want to give you a little analogy this morning. little piano analogy. If you will indulge me. Of course, what are you going to do? You can't leave. <laughs> now, there's a very famous hymn that virtually everybody knows. Probably the most famous hymn out there. It's called Amazing Grace. Beautiful song, beautiful words, beautiful melody. Okay. But if you ever listen to the original hymn as it was written, it's really pretty unexciting, certainly from a musical standpoint. It's virtually one chord through the whole thing. If you've ever been in very old state conservative churches, I'm sure you've heard it played this way, you know. Amazing Grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Lovely little, don't, don't clap. <laughs> Here's just the one chord. It's all, I can do that. I can teach you how to do that in five minutes. All right. Well, this is the song. And this is the, how the song was written. Now, as the song became more and more popular, musicians came in and they started adding what we call changes. 
the chord changes. Musicians refer to them literally as changes. You see, the melody stays the same. The words stay the same. And the challenge is, as different people come in and reharmonize different songs, is to, without changing the melody, without changing the words, without changing the song, to add changes underneath. Of course, it makes it much more interesting. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. <laughs> I once was lost, but now am found. Blind, but now I see. Now it wasn't written like that at all. But there are the changes, the changes that come. The song stays the same. You're still who you are. But the changes come, and sometimes they're a little uncomfortable, a little bit difficult. But it actually makes it a more beautiful song in the end. See, a lot of y'all would be thrilled to just have the one chord life. I want to stay the same, don't make anything different, please, God. God, somebody sit in my seat today, God, I can't believe it. I hate changes, I hate changes, don't make anything change. Well, that's really pretty boring. Change is good for you. Well, Pastor, my changes are just all up and down, all confusing. That's okay. Call that jazz. Even that works. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now. See, here's what happens when you when you don't. Yeah. Don't clap. Just throw money. Um, here's how. With, without God in your life, then changes are just. They literally are just random notes. Things just happen the way they happen with not a lot of meaning. That's why so many people are so desperate, so frustrated in their lives. But you see, no matter what changes come your way, the Bible says God is able to make all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. See, that's why change comes. Trying to change your life up a little bit. Don't freak out. Trust God throughout the changes and challenges of life. Now make no mistake. They're often quite miserable. It's very uncomfortable. It's not a lot of fun. It'd be great if you could just plan on everything and everything would just go according to plan, but oftentimes the plans change and things get a little bit crazy in life. I love the way he says this. Don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering because that's exactly what we are. We're completely shocked and amazed. 
See, we want God to do miracles for us, but then we get mad when we need a miracle. You know what I'm talking about? We got a place where we need a miracle. And, and sometimes, a lot of times these changes will get very nasty in your life. And oftentimes things will get a lot worse before they get better. You ever been there? You think, well, why are things getting worse? Because God's waiting for it to get bad enough that He can show up and it'll look really cool. <laughs> Seriously. And when you read the book, you know, the, the stories in the Bible of some of these cool miracles that happen for people. But I stop and think about it. I mean, you get Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. That's, that's a cool story. Daniel gets arrested for his faith. They're threatening to throw him in the lion's den. Now, if I'm Daniel, I'm praying and trusting God that they don't throw me in. Right? That's where I'm at. Well, they've arrested me. Well, this is a drag, but at least I'm praying they won't get thrown in. And they're pushing me up, they're pushing me up, and all of a sudden, they push me into the den. It's easy to become very discouraged. It's easy to even get mad, mad at God. Why did you let this happen? See, a lot of times we, we give up. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. When we get to heaven, a lot of y'all are just going to be shocked at how close you were to your miracle. But you gave up. And if you hadn't given up. See, Daniel, man, he gets thrown in the lines and he still was in a place of faith. He didn't get mad and say, well, I was trusting God. And I'm down here and I'm standing in lion poop. And this is awful. <laughs> Where was God? Well, that's when God showed up. Closed the mouths of the lion. Wow, very cool. We read the story of the three Hebrew children. The king arrests them for their faith. Says, if you don't bow and worship me, I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. Again, if I'm these three cats, I'm praying, God, I pray they don't throw me in the fire. Right? But where was the miracle? They're arrested. They're getting closer to the fire. Where's the miracle? Where's the miracle? Where's the miracle? And they throw them into the fire. Again, a lot of us, we just got mad they showed up and arrested us at all. But it wasn't until they were in the fire God shows up. And they walk around in the fire, they're not burned. The Bible says there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. Pretty cool stuff, huh? Again, we just get upset. We're surprised, we're shocked. He says, don't be that way. He says, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Now since the last few days, since Good Friday service, we've been focusing on the death of Jesus. Uh, I know at this campus we were showing the uh, uh, passion of the Christ and, and all about Christianity. It's been about focusing on the death of Jesus. We read about it in Luke where it says it was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. He dies. Now you would think, now that's the end. See, that's got to be the ultimate end. You're dead. And one thing if God would have showed up. In fact, you remember they were making fun of him and laughing at him and Egging him on when he's on the cross. Come on, where's God? Have him show up. Come on, where's God? Even the two thieves, one, one of them was yelling at Jesus. Say, come on, come on. I mean, they, some of these guys really expect because they've seen incredible miracles by his hand. Where's God? Where's God? Come on, get off, get on, take me with you. But he eventually dies. Now when he died, Satan was elated. 
He was thrilled about the events of that day. They finally got him. You see. He's dead. I win. Of course, he had no idea what was about to happen. He had no idea of the power that was going to be released on that resurrection morning. That Sunday, some 2,000 years ago. Had he known it, he wouldn't have done it. The Bible even tells us this. It says none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They had no idea what they were unleashing. But Satan was just as thrilled as he could be. Glorified in the crucifixion. All of hell was delirious with joy. Friday ended. (laughs) Ha ha, we got him. All day Saturday, party city, man. This is great. But then Sunday morning comes. Something changes. Something's afoot. Satan Satan can feel something ain't quite right. In Star Wars terms, he felt the shift in the force. (laughs) All the demons were saying, just relax, man, it's cool. No, no, something's going wrong. Something's going wrong. I feel something's not right. And we read about it in Matthew, the 20th chapter. It says there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. Jesus Christ came out of that tomb on that morning. Whoa. Now this freaked him out. You see, this is the single most significant event in Christianity when Jesus Christ came out of that tomb. If Jesus stayed in the grave, then he was just a good man. A lot of people want to say, well, yeah, Jesus was a very good man. But they don't want to admit he was the son of God, see. If Jesus would have just stayed in the grave, he'd have been a great teacher, fabulous philosopher, yes, brilliant ideas. If Jesus would have stayed in the grave, he would have been a powerful prophet. But when Jesus came out of the grave, all that changed. And that is what we are celebrating today. All over in our celebration campuses, all over the world this morning, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, came out of that too. That's what Easter is all about. Now, now I, I enjoy all the other stuff that we have with Easter. You know, the whole spring thing and the, you know, we had our big Easter egg hunt thing yesterday in, in some of the campuses. And that was fun. You know, the bunny and the eggs thing, although I've never quite understood that. Shouldn't it be the Easter chicken? (laughs) How do you get a bunny that gives away chicken eggs? I don't quite understand that. Somebody wasn't focusing that day. But anyway, Easter chicken or not, all that stuff's fun, it's fine. But that's not what this is about. Everybody, you know, this... In the world, they're saying, oh, yes, Easter is a celebration of spring. No, 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 no. Although we love to celebrate spring, especially in Green Bay. (laughs) Kind of a hint of spring, actually. It was great. Yesterday, we could do it without totally freezing to death. You know. It's one thing we don't really have a whole lot of around here is spring. We have summer, we have fall, we have winter, and we have mud. But as wonderful it is to celebrate the warmth coming back. That's not what this is about. Jesus Christ came out of that tomb. And when he came out of there, it changed everything. 
Because he didn't just come back to life. You see, lots of people had come back to life. Jesus himself had raised dead people to life. Old Testament prophets had prayed and seen miracles where they prayed for people and seen life come back into the dead. They came back to life. But they were still mortal. I'm stopping to think about this. This has really got to be a drag, right? Everybody's, their biggest dread in life is dying, right? That's pretty much at the top of the list. You know, I mean, who wants to, nobody wants to die. So these guys die, and then someone brings them back to life. Woohoo! But now you got to die again. I want to drag, right? So if, if I was dead and in heaven, and one of you raised me back to life, I'd strangle you. What are you doing? I was happy! Jesus didn't just come back to life. He was resurrected, the Bible says. He was the firstborn of the dead. What does that mean? You see, God had been saying and has said throughout all of mankind's history, there's a judgment day coming. There's a day when every man, woman, and child will be raised again to life in an, in an eternal body. And that body will now either live with God for eternity or suffer punishment for eternity. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was the first one to get that kind of a body. And it's an amazing thing. He was resurrected. The resurrection shows us once and for all that nothing is impossible with God. God can breathe life into death. It's never too late. It's never too hopeless. It's never beyond redemption. Though you might be weeping miserably through whatever struggle you're going through right now. I want you to know something. It's never too late. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Well, I don't believe that, Pastor. Oh, that's your problem. <laughs> you don't believe. That's why your life stinks. You get full of despair. It's such an insult to God because unbelief and despair says one of two things to God. Either says to God, I don't think you can change this, or I don't think you will change this and both is a huge insult to God those who take such positions are doomed to a never ending state of hopelessness and despair but to those who believe though they be in great pain though their eyes be flooded with tears though it seems as though the morning will never come and make no mistake it's always the darkest before the dawn those who believe know that not only will the morning come but that joy is coming with it. No matter what night of weeping you may have to endure for the moment, joy is coming if you'll just hang in there. Don't be freaked out. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Say, Pastor, it hurts. I know. I know. Sometimes it's very painful. But God hasn't forsaken you. Say, well, I don't like it. Get in line. Nobody likes it. But this is life. This is where we learn to trust God. This is where you get a chance to experience real miracles in your life. Don't lose heart. Hang in there. Joy's coming if you'll just hang on. Jesus said this with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I'm going to invite all the campuses everywhere. Everybody get ready to serve communion. The ushers to come forward and the musicians to get ready. I want to pick up the story again on, in Luke chapter 24. It says, now on that same day, what day? The day that Jesus had risen from the dead. 
They'd heard rumors that something had happened, but they didn't know it. They didn't understand it. Two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, I love this, Jesus himself came up and started walking alongside of them. Now, they didn't realize it was Jesus. They were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, "Uh, what are you guys talking about? And they stood still. Their faces were downcast. Why? Because of the weeping, see. They didn't know what had happened. And it had not dawned on them yet. The glorious news of the resurrection. All they knew was that Jesus, whom they had put their hope, had died on that cross. And Cleopas says to them, are you just a visitor to Jerusalem? You don't know what's happened here these last days? What things, Jesus asked. What about Jesus of Nazareth? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. See, they'd given up hope. We had hope, but now it's too late. He's dead. No, 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 no. It's never too late. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place, they said. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. They said they couldn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him either. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses, he basically opens the Old Testament to them. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Letting them know, guys, this is what I told you before. Because they still didn't realize it was Jesus. Then we read in verse 30 when he was at the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Who's that sound like? Well, it was Jesus. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Wow. What about you this morning? Where where are you at in your life? Maybe as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going through some hard struggles right now. You're going through some uncomfortable chord changes in your life it doesn't feel safe it hurts you feel alone and a state of despair but don't lose heart Jesus said he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you and God can turn any situation around say well pastor it's gone too far it's never gone too far I'm telling you, if the pastor's gotten hopeless, I'm telling you, it's never hopeless. If there's one thing the resurrection teaches us, it's never too late, it's never too far gone, it's never without hope. And with God, anything is possible. Well, perhaps you're listening to me this morning and you've never really even experienced God's love and grace in your life. I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads this morning that are listening at our various campuses. We're going to pray a prayer together and I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And If you have never truly accepted Jesus' love into your life, if if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong and put your faith in Christ, you can experience God's forgiveness in your life this morning when you pray this prayer. If you'll really mean this, you can have a real experience with this living Savior.
Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.